you've got your Bibles with you, meet me at the end, (laughs) Revelation chapter 21. Uh, We're going to be looking at Revelation today. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. If you got one of those blue Bibles in front of you and you want to follow along there, it's page 1041. You can follow along there. You can also follow along if you've got the Bible app on a device. We have the notes there for you as well. Revelation 21, 1 through 5, when our sister-in-law Lisa passed away, we sat in the hospital room, her lying there in state with her family, and as the family was sobbing and crying, all of us just beside ourselves, I, I found in a drawer the Gideon's Bible, and I turned to this passage, and I read it again and again. More often than not, when I read these verses, it's at a funeral. There, these promises are are very necessary. But you know, when, when John saw this vision, and when John wrote these words, he was not thinking to himself, this will be good at funerals. John did not write these words and record what he saw, thinking, someday in a hospital room where all human hope is gone, these words will be meaningful. John wrote these words to seven churches who were struggling. Struggling with persecution, to be sure, but they were also struggling with their identities. In fact, one church had forgotten why they were there in the first place. Jesus says to them, you've forgotten your first love. Another one of those churches, they weren't sure if they were hot or cold anymore, and they were about to be spewed out of Jesus' mouth This is Revelation. It is a message to a world that has been held hostage by beasts, and by a dragon. And so hear these words, not not for a funeral, but hear these words to bring focus to the promise, to the hope, to the message that we offer to this world. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea, the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people And God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also He said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I've titled this series, This Is Us, after a TV series that many of us have loved. Through the series, we follow Jack and Rebecca as they fall in love, as they get married, as they have kids. We follow Rebecca specifically as she, we find her in her 20s, pregnant with triplets. She loses one of the babies. And she and her husband, Jack, adopt Randall, a new son. And then we follow Rebecca just a 
few years later, as she suddenly and tragically loses her husband, Jack, and we see Rebecca with three teenagers raising them by herself. And then we see Rebecca as she falls in love again. And we see her as she raises her kids and she has grandkids and as life goes on. And then we see Rebecca in later years as she, she struggles with dementia. And by the end of the series, her mind is... Her mind is clouded and confused. And us fans have taken that journey with her. And in the final episodes, spoiler alert, by the way, in the final episodes, Rebecca is on her deathbed surrounded by her children, surrounded by Kate and Randall and Kevin. But in her mind, as she's in that deathbed, in her mind, she is on a train. And she is going through what you and I might call a, a life review. She's traveling back through her life, encountering people from her past, those who have helped her along the way. I've been talking to several fans, <laughs> Carol and Linda, Hannah Brimner, and my friend Witt, who preaches over at, 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 at Home Church in Charleston, and all of us, all of us admit we were blubbering in those last few episodes it's a beautiful scene as Rebecca's life is culminated there in those two scenes, surrounded by her children in the hospital bed and also on that train. And I think it was made all the more beautiful because for many of us, we've been there, haven't we? We've been there with loved ones. We've been there with a parent. We've been there with, with a sister-in-law. We've been there and we've looked back and we've said, this, this was a good life. This is a life that was well-lived. I hope we're able to look back and say this was a good life and take comfort in the life that we live. But this, this is John's final vision. And John's final vision is not a life review. It's not a look back. It is a look forward. And it's not written for funerals. It's not written for deathbeds. It's written for you today with the awareness that sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is filled with challenges. But this this is us. This is who we are together. We are a community with the promise of transformation. And the hope we look forward to begins here. We need to remember that. The hope we look forward to begins here. And there are people around us who need to hear that from us. We need to let them in on John's vision. We need to let them in on our hope. They need to know. There are people around us who need to know that one day, one day, the chaos of this world will be over. All through Revelation, there are visions strange and wild. And yet at the same time, so many of these visions are, are familiar and so many of these visions are, are comforting. Chapter 21 begins with those words, Then I saw, and John saw, a new heaven and a new earth, fresh, unstained, uncorrupted, and while we imagine the beauty and the majesty, a bright and clean, gleaming new heaven and new earth, there's still something strange here. Because he says, and the sea was no more. Wait a minute, what? I like the sea. <laughs> I 
It's been a while, but every now and then I got to go see the big water. You know, I need to get to an ocean every now and then and I need to see the big water and see what it looks like, whether it's beautiful and blue or whether it's dark and stormy. I want to see the big water. Why, why is the sea gone? How is this good news? To, to, I want a yacht when I get to heaven. I want to go fishing. <laughs> but all through Revelation, if we go back all the way through Revelation, Again and again, in those, in those signs, in those visions, in Revelation, the sea is the source of chaos. It is a source of turmoil. It is a source of evil. In chapter 13, a beast rises from the sea. In chapter 16, every living thing in the sea is killed. Chapter 18, a huge rock is thrown into the heart of the sea. And then we could go back to the Gospels. Anytime Jesus and the guys get in a boat and cross the sea, there's going to be trouble. There's either trouble in the middle of the sea or there's trouble waiting on the other side. Usually it's demonic. We see Jesus calming storms at sea. Jesus in the Gospel rebukes a storm, tells it to be quiet. And here at the end of Revelation, that storm, that chaos, that evil, it is not just stilled it is removed chaos will not reign forever the storms in your life will not last sooner or later those storms in your life they will bow to jesus and they will be removed john's vision of a new heaven a new earth and chaos and troubles they are all removed so so what about now what about today what about the 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 stress the turmoil in your life that leaves you stressed and leaves you swamped John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said the night before his crucifixion, he says to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you the way the world gives you peace. So do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And that's not just a promise to us, I think that is a message to the people around us, the people in our lives, people who are troubled by this world, people who are afraid because of the chaos they've had to endure, that there is a peace to be found here with us, that we bar the door on chaos. We do not allow the chaos in here. There's a place here, rather, where the storms are calmed, where the seas are stilled, a peace that comes as a foretaste of the promise of heaven when all chaos will be removed. What about the chaos? What about the turmoil in your neighbor's life? What about the turmoil in our, what about the turmoil in our community here? There are people who are troubled in our lives. And, and it just seems like chaos just begets more chaos. It, it never gets better. The chaos just gets worse and worse. And you and I sit here with a promise from Jesus, a promise from the Prince of Peace, a promise that says, let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Peace I leave with you. Do you think we have enough peace to go around? Do you think we have enough peace to share with those who are still in the storm? There are people that you know, people in our lives who cannot imagine a day when the chaos will be gone. That's all they've ever known. They can't imagine a day when the, when the storms are gone. And not only do you and I look forward to that promise, that peace is promised for us today from the very Prince of Peace. Jesus is here. The hope that we look forward to, it begins here. It's ready for us to share with others. 
John's vision tells us that the chaos around us won't last forever. And again, our friends need to hear that. There are people in our lives also who need to know that they do not need to live in loneliness. That loneliness does not have to be their experience. As we've made our way through this sermon series, This Is Us, Who We Are Together, what I've tried to show you is this is not just about who you are as a Christian. This isn't about you and your own little Christian life, your own little Christian world, and you over here in your own little Christian life and your own little Christian world. This is who we are together. These are identities that we share. And so many of the identities that we've seen in the Bible are identities that, that build on the idea of, of family, built around the idea of family. In fact, we looked at our identity as the family of God. I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. We looked at our identity as the kingdom, and we are the children of the kingdom. We've looked at our identity as the people of peace. Even the image of the shepherd and his flock, these are family images. And you know, you, you come here week after week, and we laugh together. Sometimes we cry together. We pray together. We sing together. We eat donuts together, right? We take communion together. Together is such a part of who we are. Together is such a part of our faith and the life that we have, the life that we share. Do you realize how vital together is? And do you know how rare together is in the rest of our world? Last year, Harvard University did a study. I think they, all they did was confirm what, the, what all of us know. Harvard did a study and they discovered that 36% of Americans, 30, 36% of Americans are lonely. One out of three people you encounter. Think about three people that you know. One of those people is lonely. Look around you here. Through one out of three, let's say they are lonely. 61% of young adults, young adults, the most connected generation we've ever had. And two-thirds of them say their number one problem is they are lonely. 51% of young mothers say that they are lonely. You realize loneliness has an impact on your health. Obvious, there are obvious impacts. I'm sure you would recognize loneliness impacts depression. Loneliness impacts anxiety. Loneliness impacts substance abuse, doesn't it? It's a big part of substance abuse. But there's other ways that loneliness impacts your health that maybe you hadn't thought about, but they've discovered loneliness impacts heart disease. Loneliness impacts heart disease. It, it impacts cancer. Loneliness impacts dementia, even. Loneliness, loneliness is an epidemic. And what do we have to combat this epidemic? Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. 
You hear the glory in that promise. God with us. That's what we've all waited for, dwelling with us. But don't miss the cry of the lonely people around us. So many hearts out there. It's not just united with God. It's united with each other. They will be His people. They will be together. Not alone. Not on their own, not outcast, not uninvited, but invited, included, welcomed. We saved you a seat. We saved you a donut. There's a place at the table for you. So many of the people around us just want someone to belong to. I fear that there are many in our community who just, they're sitting at home waiting for death. They're sitting at home waiting for God. And they're sitting alone. And yet I, I watch you people. It's part of my job is keep an eye on you. I watch you. And I watch how you take care of each other. I especially watch how you take care of those who have been widowed among us. The young widows. I see the way you go have lunch together. And I see the way you sit there in the entry area and you chat together. That is so vital to who we are. I worry about those in our community who've lost someone and they're alone. They don't have us. They don't have you. Harvard University tells us that they are dying of loneliness. John says they will be his people. And the hope that we look forward to begins here, let's open that hope up to the people who are hurting around us. We can share that hope as we share our time, as we share our lives, as we share meals, and as we share our love. Just being there for them can chase that chaos away. Just being there with them can let them know that they're important to us, that they are included, that they belong to us. And that brings us to the great promise that I think those around us are desperate for. They're desperate for a day when death does not get the last word. We read passages like this at funerals because there we feel the promise the deepest in the midst of that. Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. I want our friends who've suffered losses to feel this. I want our friends who've suffered losses to know that truth, that one day things get better, one day there is no more tears, one day the mourning ends. But you know, that promise that we share with them, that cannot just be some pie in the sky and the sweet by and by, someday we'll all fly away and that's what we'll get. I don't think this passage was written for funerals. I don't think it was written for deathbeds. This is a truth here today and I want a foretaste of that truth that we can share with them. There are people around us right now and their lives are consumed by tears. And it's not just about who they've lost, it's about what they've lost. They've lost their peace. The chaos has raged and then it finally has flooded in and they are overwhelmed and again, so many of them are lonely. It's not just that they weep, but they are weeping alone. I would love it if every one of us could just make the commitment 
that anytime you see someone crying by yourself, you go sit with that person. I want to make that commitment. If I see someone crying, I go sit with them. No one, no one should ever cry alone. But hear them. Let them know they're not alone. Let them know that there is a promise that one day things get better. I do believe there was a passage in, there's a passage in the Bible that was written for funerals, by the way. I do think there is a passage that was written for funerals, was written to bring comfort in the face of death. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 seems to have been written for that very reason. Verse 13 says it was written so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Listen to that carefully. It's not that you may not grieve because we grieve. We feel our losses deeply because we love each other, because we value each other, because we value those that we say goodbye to. But there's a promise we hold on to that one day our grief will end. One day every tear will be wiped away. The pain will be gone. The former things will have passed away. That includes chaos. That includes loneliness. That includes grief and loss. I've appreciated the words of my friend and my teacher, Chuck Sackett. Chuck's been on our prayer list for several months now as he's been going through cancer treatments. Every Sunday morning, almost every Sunday morning, Chuck shared some thoughts on Facebook for his friends. Just a few short thoughts. Lately, lately his thoughts have been more raw. Lately, they've been much more personal. He's been reflecting on not just on his illness, but Chuck's been reflecting on the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of so many lives around us. And last week, he asked us all to consider what is it that keeps us going? Where do we find our strength? And Chuck wrote this. He said, the word for that is hope. And this hope never disappoints. I may or may not be cured from cancer in this life, but I will be cured I will grieve the human loss of my friends when death prevails, but I will grieve my loss, not theirs, because they will have won. Did you hear that? I will grieve my loss, not theirs, because they will have won. I have to believe there's someone in your life and on your heart today, and you, you want them to know that promise. You want them to know that that victory is for them, that that can be their promise as well. Verse 5 puts the cap on John's vision. A voice comes from the throne and he says, write these words down because these words are trustworthy and true. You can take these words to the bank. More than that, you can share them with others. You can proclaim these words in the churches. For those whose lives have been consumed and wrecked by chaos, behold, I am making all things new. For those who are lost and alone, who feel friendless and lonely, behold, I am making all things new. For those who grieve and who feel like the tears will never stop, who feel like the, the grief is endless, behold, I am making all things new. And in the meantime, while you and I wait on these promises, this is the blessed hope. 
This is us. This is who we are together. We are a community of the transformed. We are a community of people who have been changed by Jesus. And the life we share together here is a foretaste of the promises that we will have there. It would be a shame if we kept that to ourselves. It would be a shame if we didn't share that with each other, with others. In fact, I think it would be a violation of the very heart of Jesus beating within you if we didn't wrap our arms around a hurting world, a hurting community, our hurting friends, and say it doesn't have to end this way. We have something you need. And the word for that is hope. And hope does not disappoint. And so this is us. And who we are together is not just about what happens in this room. It's not just about what happens in this building. Who we are together is so vital for those who are outside the walls of this building. And maybe you're here today realizing how badly you need these promises. How consuming the the chaos has become. How lonely this life has become. Or that you're facing a grief and you're afraid that grief is never going to end. We want you to know these promises. We want them to be yours. And we want you to know that the hope that we look forward to, the hope you can look forward to, begins here. And right now, maybe what that looks like is you finally saying yes to Jesus. Yes to His promises. Yes to Him being your Lord and your Savior. Yes to the offer that He makes. Maybe it's about us taking you back to the baptistry, filling the baptistry up and burying that old person. <laughs> burying that person with, the, uh, with those grieves, with that grief that seems like it never ends, with that chaos, with that loneliness and allowing a new person to rise. A person full of promise. A person who knows the Prince of Peace. A person who has the Prince of Peace with them and within them. We're ready to do that if that's one thing we need to do for you today. And as we take this together in just a few moments, we remind ourselves that these promises do not come cheaply. They came with a price. And that our Prince of Peace laid down His life. He allowed His body to be broken. He allowed His blood to be shed so that you and I might not live this life alone, but we might live this life together as His people. This is us. And that we might know that these promises carry us into eternity. In a few moments, I'll, I'll pray. We'll sing together. We'll take. And let's remember... Let's remember His promises. Let's remember what He's done for us. Let's pray together. Father, this is us. We've been broken. We've been hurt. We have been wounded by this world. We've allowed, we've allowed those hurts to, to fester at times. Father, there are times when loneliness has overwhelmed us. And there's been times when it seemed like the grief would never end. But this is You. (laughs) The Prince of Peace. The the One who calls us His own. The One who promises that the day will come when, when You will be with us and we will be with You and we will be Your people. Lord, we look forward to those promises. 
Today we, we live in the shadow of those promises with each other. We live recognizing that those promises are not just things that we keep to ourselves, that, but that we share them together. We welcome one another with those promises of eternity. And Lord, there are people in our lives who are hurting, who are, who are alone, who are grieving, who are consumed by chaos. Lord, let us bring those promises into their lives as well. Thank You for the, the bread. We thank You for the cup. We thank You for the reminder of not just what our Savior paid so that we could be His, but a reminder that He brought us all together to be Yours. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.